0: Christian newscast.
1: Hello and welcome to Premier Christian Newscast. I'm Tim Wyatt and today we're going to be looking at the scandals engulfing the leadership of Hillsong Church. As you may have seen, Brian and Bobby Houston, the Australian power couple who have grown the movement from a church plant in the Sydney suburbs in the 1980s to an empire that today spans 125 sites across 27 countries. Well, the Houstons are the church's global senior pastors no longer. The couple stood down earlier this year amid a series of scandals These included allegedly failing to report Brian's father's historic sexual abuse, inappropriate test messages sent to a female staffer, and a mysterious incident when Brian Houston accidentally went into the wrong hotel room at a conference before spending 40 minutes inside with the female occupant. I wanted to go beyond the lurid headlines about the very public fall of the Houstons to try and figure out what impact their departure might have for Hillsong and also to consider what lessons, if any, we might learn from this sorry episode about accountability and oversight for church leaders. Joining me this week to discuss Hillsong, the Houstons, and leadership in an age of scandal are Jonty Langley and Graham Nichols. Welcome, John T. Welcome, Graham. Thanks so much for joining the podcast. Uh, could I quickly kick off by getting you guys to introduce yourselves to our to our listeners? Uh, Graham, why don't you go first?
0: Yeah, I'm Graham Nichols. I'm director of an organisation called Affinity, which is a network of about 1,200 churches and some other Christian organisations. Uh, we seek to encourage and to educate and to engage with the Christian and the secular media on behalf of Christians.
1: Brilliant. And John T., where do you stand?
2: Uh, I'm John T. Langley. I'm a writer and communications consultant, and I host a podcast called Beer Christianity.
1: <laughs> Great. And we recommend Beer Christianity. Find it on all good podcast feeds.
2: Um, Absolutely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> today, we wanted to talk about uh, the kind of unfolding scandal at the top of the Hillsong Church. Um, many people will be aware uh, that Brian and Bobby Houston, the kind of cup- Australian couple who who founded and have led Hillsong as their global yeah. senior pastors, for the past 30, 40 years. They, they recently stood down last month after um, a series of scandals involving Brian Houston and... Um, uh, there's been a couple of complaints it's been revealed by by the Hillsong board uh relating to some uh, what they describe as inappropriate texting with a female staffer and then a second incident where he was uh, uh spent some time in the in the hotel room mysteriously you don't know doing what with with a woman wasn't his wife uh, at, a, at a Hillsong conference so they both stood down amid some kind of acrimony um there's a lot of uh uh, unsureness, I guess, about what's really going on there and, and and a war of words, which we're probably not the right place to kind of crack into. But I wanted to ask you, um, Jonty, you go to one of Hillsong's churches here in here in the UK. Could you share a little bit about who Brian Houston is and what kind of significance and place he, he has in the kind of Hillsong movement?
2: Yeah, so uh, when my wife and I started going to Hillsong uh, out, out here in Oxfordshire, uh, I was I found the presence of him quite strange because we're going to a church that has, you know, really fantastic worship. It's got a really nice pastor who, you know, used to be a builder and a footballer and, you know, just like a very kind of relatable dude. And the church itself was very cool and uh, very enjoyable and and surprisingly progressive for me because you're going to a kind of new Pentecostal church. So I was expecting to kind of hate the politics, but I didn't. And then every now and then they'd have a video link with uh, the head pastor for the UK, Gary Clark. And I was always just really impressed by how unslick he was in terms of how he spoke. And again, how uh, intellectually rigorous he was because it wasn't really what I was expecting. I was expecting good worship. You know, I wasn't coming in with higher expectations than, you know, I've got books at home. Um, and then and then every now and then you would have something from kind of the mothership in Australia. And it would be this slightly strange, but quite likable guy called Brian Houston, who over, over the time we've been there, you kind of pick up, oh, he's, he's the big dog. He's the guy. He's the main kind of He's, he's the Pope, you know, <laughs> he's, he's, he's that kind of guy for it. And he just always seemed to me quite like goofy, like nice, but not not necessarily as smart as the, the, the kind of head of the UK thing. Not, not particularly relatable to me, but just felt like a kind of very blokey Australian bloke. But he and Bobby were kind of the linchpins. And and apparently, you know, what you pick up from it <laughs> while you're there is that they were the guys who really took Hillsong to being a, a really big force uh, in the world, although again, from my knowledge of it back in the day when I became a Christian, I, I encountered Hillsong only through the music, so I kind of assumed it was a church built around the music rather than a church specifically. But it turns out it's it's a real church, and um, and yeah, so so my understanding was, oh, he's he's got quite a lot of significance for people here, uh, and the people who do think of Brian Houston in kind of like, oh, he's he's the big dog, they take him very seriously. A lot of the people in the church are like, that's nice, that's not. That's not what I'm here for. I'm, I'm here for this church. I'm here for the fellowship that I enjoy here. I'm here for the teaching I get here. I'm here for uh, the experience of the Holy Spirit that I have here. So um, he, he's really important, I think, in the structure of of the organization. And it was quite kind of founder syndrome and a little bit heavily focused on him, I thought, at times, just like why uh, he's fine. He's not the most talented preacher in, in the stable, you know. Um, but yeah, you know, just a just a kind of blokey bloke to my to my things and somebody who I was like, when, when the scandal came out, I was like, oh, that's that's awful because it's terrible when people, you know, commit sexual harassment or when they make people feel uncomfortable when they do these kind kinds of things. Um, and, and, you know, I'd never apologize for that. It's just I, I was never going for him. If you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so has his kind of stepping down as uh, global
1: senior pastors, him and Bobby, has that had any impact whatsoever on your actual kind of day-to-day running <laughs> of your church? Or, or I mean, I don't ch- Hillsong churches <laughs> in general in the UK. I,
2: I'm I'm not in leadership, so I don't know. It must have had an impact. I imagine with the kind of structure, and they they put a real emphasis on kind of honouring leaders and that sort of stuff, <clears throat> which I'm moderately uncomfortable with. But I can, you know, it's fine. It's a perfectly legitimate uh, position to take, but for my day-to-day involvement and showing up at church and kind of chatting to the people I know from there and the people in the home groups and stuff like that. I just, I, it, not in my experience, it hasn't been that big a deal, which may be a little bit unkind to him, but, um, you know, I guess yeah. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Uh, Graham, as you're, you're a church leader yourself,
1: what, what was your initial response when you first kind of saw some of the stories coming out? Because you obviously you must be well aware of Hillsong as this enormous kind of international behemoth of a church. Uh, yeah. What was your kind of response when you saw saw the kind of scandal brewing and emerging?
0: I suppose it was a kind of "not again" sort of feeling, um, you know. Although although Hillsong's not our kind of brand of church, or, or most of the churches in affinity, uh, we probably all sing their songs, mm. or at least appreciate their songs, or listen to their songs. And you know, their their songs have, have been, um, you know, some a bit average, but some you know theologically rich and, and musically, you know, very talented and kind of uh, you know, accessible and, and and likeable and learnable and and you know giving a lot of joy to people singing them so so we, we have this sort of funny relationship with Hillsong where sort of theologically and and performance wise we're probably not where where they're at but um you know I've appreciated a lot of what they they've done and it was more a sense of this is just embarrassing for the for the Christian world um it, it's all just a bit This is a bit kind of pathetic really in a way so you just feel so sad and you think you know how did a guy get into this kind of silly kind of mess and how did he get sort of ignored for all this time and all that sort of stuff so I suppose just a great sadness for the reputation of Christ um because it got reported in in lots of you know got in the Guardian and everything else you know got in the secular press Mm. because they're such a big big thing um so it wasn't really a feeling of you know I told you so or you know I always knew this would happen it was it was more it was more sadness and then as you kind of reflect a bit longer you think um how, how did you get to a position where someone was kind of unchallengeable mm. for such a long period and so so you think uh not just that's happening over there but also you think um you know how, how could this be happening in some of our churches I mean it's it's, it's very different I mean as Jonathan would know better than me really but the Uh, I'm an independent church guy, so uh, so we're we're answered to nobody but Christ. Ho hum. Um, But uh, so there's that structure, which is you know one single church, uh, local gathering, and then just lots of networks that you kind of belong to. And then there's the the sort of highly structured denominational Church of England Presbyterian structures. And then you've got these movements like Hillsong, and in a different way, uh, New Frontiers. Which are sort of structured and accountable with, you know, as Jonathan said, a sort of a bishop, <laughs> but but kind of not. Um, they're, they're just massive entities, really, um, which, which in a way have have even less accountability. That they're, they're not as accountable as the formal denominations, they're not as accountable as a small church, because you just can't be accountable on that scale. So you, you, you tend to have very dominant founders who are who are sort of in charge, but they're sort of not. You know, it's not as though Jonathan was taking his instructions from um, from headquarters or his church, probably not, to, to, to most degrees. So it's, it's a funny kind of relationship. So I know I'm going off topic a bit, really. But, yeah. <laughs> no, I think that's Those a really fascinating
1: thing to explore. I mean, I'd, I'd interested in knowing your perspective on that, John t Do you agree that Hillsong kind of slips into this strange middle ground as it's not a denomination, but it's not a single church and it's,
2: it's got kind of blurred lines of accountability? I think of it as a small denomination, to be honest. So I think yeah. in, in any situation, it's about culture more than about structure. Structure is important, yeah. But but if your culture doesn't promote accountability, it's not going to. I I also think what, what Graham said is probably the most important thing for me accountability is a word that gets thrown around in church a lot and it can be really positive and keep us from doing terrible things it can also be just a tool of control and yeah. and a quite unhealthy kind of in each other's business kind of thing which you know anyone who's been in the church for a while knows that kind of you know prayer as our gossip me- method and you know all that kind of stuff that that can yeah. be super unhealthy i i think if you have a culture of somebody who is unable to be challenged i i find that really problematic. I know I come from a particular, you know, background, my background is Baptist, I'm, I'm a Baptist at heart, you know, we can fire our pastors, you know, as, the, yeah. as, as, as the congregation. Um, But I would say that that's not without its problems either, because you can get a real toxicity in a I know the Baptists don't don't think of it as a democratic, but in a situation where the community is supposedly hearing from the Holy Spirit and then controlling what happens in the church, you can get a few powerful individuals, charismatic individuals with a small c, or uh, families often that dominate churches like that. An independent church can become a family mafia church so easily. And then there are unchallengeable people in that. And I've been in those situations in churches where it wasn't the pastor who was unchallengeable, but it was somebody who ran I don't know the hospitality rota or who did the church fabric team or do you know what I mean that kind of stuff I think we always have to be able to challenge each other and I'd say for me the the reputation of the church generally the body of Christ being damaged I think is is a really sad thing about it I think people who have been victims of and survivors of harassment by powerful leaders that's the saddest part of it obviously um, is, yeah. is, is people who have been preyed upon and, 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 and all of that. And I think we must never lose sight of that. That's the main thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think also just the sad narrative of a- anyone pretending that this isn't possible in any situation, you know, like like in any kind of abuse scandal, abuse of power, abuse of people, the idea that, oh, well, this must be a problem with that organization, that movement, that group, is ridiculous. It happens everywhere, and we need
1: to stop being blind to that. Uh, you're absolutely right, John T, Clearly, no denomination, no church tradition is is has has been has got a spotless record on this. But I just want to press you on that because there, it's not the first scandal with Hillsong kind of pastors. You'll be aware of of a kind of spectacular crash and burn of Carl Lentz, He's the pastor of of um. Was he uh, the one with the tattoos? I feel like I heard him speak <laughs> once. He was like terribly cool. Yes, he was the kind of hyper cool. Uh, he ran the Hillsong in New York. He was Justin Bieber's spiritual advisor. They had uh, lots of NBA stars coming to the church. They had a green room for the celebrities, and 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 it all kind of blew up. And he was he admitted he'd been having an a, an affair. Uh, and in fact, Brian Houston fired him, I think, in a couple of years ago, um, which led I think to some of the other US um, uh, Hillsong branches kind of disaffiliating and going going independent. Um, Do you think there is something specific to the culture of Hillsong as a movement that allows these kind of ultra charismatic, cool founder kind of startup figures to gain an unwise amount of power or control to their own detriment as well as to the churches?
2: Yeah. Cause it is, it's terribly bad for you to have people. I mean, just look at JK Rowling and the people who've been saying yes to her for years, this has destroyed her. I mean, that's a totally different tangent, but um, <laughs> well, the alarm in your eyes, Tim. <laughs> we're, not there, T, we're not going there, John C. We're not going there. But no, I think, I think, I think there is something in that. I don't think Hillsong is, you know, the Catholic church is about as far from Hillsong as you can get. Right. They've, Had a few scandals, I want to say. I want to say that um, the Baptists have had abuse happen and affairs happen. I'm going to take a punt and say that one or two Anglicans... um, Uh, and I imagine independent churches as well. I think th- th- there's a there's a question of just statistical probability. And if you have enough people mm. involved, if your church has seven people in it, you might escape some of the things that statistically happen in churches because you don't have enough people. If it's not popular enough, if it doesn't have enough... Um, temptations either in terms of power and popularity or just demographics you're going to have people who are more susceptible to these sorts of things um then maybe you can skip it i'm sure there's also an argument for holiness and righteousness and accountability and holding people like that it's just so far i've never seen a church that has been immune to to getting it wrong Hmm. so i don't think it's specific to them i do think unquestioning as graham said before unquestioning you know attitudes to leaders is a terrible idea hmm. yeah
0: i mean i think uh absolutely that the the small churches which make up quite a lot of our kind of network um are just as prone statistically and theologically and spiritually um probably if if a pastor of you know if 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 i fall into scandal pastor of a church of 170 probably one of the larger churches but it's not such a big thing no one no one's going to be that bothered um because I'm just not a national figure on, in the church. Um, and certainly some of the other churches, smaller churches, sort of 50, 50 average kind of size churches. Um, so things happen, they're just not, the impact is just less. I think, though, basically the same phenomenon happens. You, you might not think so, but just uh, as you, you were saying, Jonathan, about, you know, the, the, the influential family or the charismatic couple of um, families or individuals in the church church, um, having a, a kind of uh, too much power um, and a control that's not based on theology or spirituality or or reason and logic, but based on force of argument and force of personality. That happens big time with Hillsong perhaps, and it happens small time. And I think it's not so much accountability as a sort of a bad word, but I think multiple leadership is much more biblical and much... Um, much much safer it's not completely safe because you know groups of people can have a little group delusion and you know group dynamics happen where they start protecting each other and never thinking ill of each other so that that all happens as well but it's a bit less likely where you haven't got one prominent pastor of a church or pastor of a whole kind of network of churches um and i I think i think we have a human tendency to go for ones and i think um, the 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 Bible and and the New Testament tends to not go for individual leaders. Mm. You know, Paul Paul appointed elders. Um, there was no great. There was prominent people who were who were, you know, leading churches and maybe more prominent churches. But he never said, "Well, you need to appoint a pastor here and a pastor here." It was always let's have a group of people because groups just work better. Mm. Um, I think I think that's the thing is
2: it's such a hard tension because. When you've got people who have a vision, whether it's an individual or a small group, and they're yeah. okay with making decisions and they're not conflict-averse and they, yeah. they see, you know, they've got ideation and activation, if you want to use kind of management speak, and they can make stuff happen and they know what yeah. they want to make happen, that can be really thrilling to be a part of. Um, but, but has that danger, like you say, of, of uh, people start just getting used to them, just having their own way. But if, you know, my my wife used to work in the large NGO sector and they had consensus decision-making and it drags. And that can be the case as well. If you start trying to make decisions as groups, like if you've ever been in one of those work situations where nobody wants to disagree with each other, nothing happens, or it tends to stagnation. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, So I I guess it's just finding a healthy way through either of those.
0: Premier Christian Newscast. Premier Christian Newscast.
1: The the board of Hillsong put out this this statement when they kind of announced the, the resignation of of um, Brian Houston, and they said at the end, after kind of very vaguely hand-waving about his uh, alleged misdemeanours, they said at the end about how the board is, is kind of looking for external wise counsel to review its governance and says, like many other churches of its size, Hillsong's governance model has historically placed significant control in the hands of the senior pastor, but we recognise that the way we do things need to be reviewed. And I was just reflecting on this saying, you know, that kind of startup founder culture makes a lot of sense. Like you say, John T, it gives you a lot of speed of decision-making and it, and it means that you can hold a vision if you're starting a church plant, for example, but when you're a church of about 150,000 members worldwide, yeah. it seems mm. a staggering amount of control and power that Bobby and Brian Houston had. And there's been kind of leak letters from senior oh, figures yeah. saying, you know, that he considers himself kind of beyond disciplinary boundaries and, and he kind of defied the rules. So, so for example, while the board was investigating some of these things, apparently, reportedly, they asked him to to stop drinking alcohol and to step back from all kind of minister activity while they were <coughs> investigating. And he kind of broke both those stipulations.
0: To be fair, he's Australian, months.
2: so you know, I mean, to stop having a beer every now and then seems a very harsh punishment. Before they've come to their, con- that's being flippant, obviously. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, I just think I...
1: it's fascinating to see how, I guess, no one really planned Hillsong. And, and that's yep. true of many churches. You know, it's it's a couple or an individual or a small team who have a vision for a church plant. And if the kind of God blesses it and it grows and it becomes this thing, at what point do you kind of say, oh, maybe I need to bring in a kind of multiple, diverse, diffused leadership model? I don't know and if you Graham, have any thoughts about how you kind of do that transition.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the interesting thing is that uh, Mark Driscoll and um, Miles Hill mm. completely different um accusations for want of a better word but uh you know a similar model massive behemoth of a, a more localized but a, a big organization um and all based around one individual so I'm, I'm not sure structurally i think it is more culturally not assuming that that one leader will be infallible um but i just to to Go back slightly to Jonathan's point. I think it is possible to have dynamic decision making um, in a leadership team or even from a leadership individual, but for them as a character to be more open to question, it's not often decisions that are the, the problem. It's more, it's more character that 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 needs to be questioned. Um, you know, with all these instances, it wasn't so much, you know, every 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 decision, because you know, church leaders don't make that many dramatic decisions most of the time it all just kind of happens really you know we're not that clever um and uh so it's it's more to do with you want to be um really open to question on character and how you're behaving and how you're sounding and um you know not so much major character flaws, but but significant character issues, much more than perhaps, oh, you made a bad decision about this. You know, I love making quick decisions. I'd, I'd rather make a hundred decisions a day and a couple of them to be wrong than to make no decisions. So I'm I'm into quick decision making, but not not to be not to be, you know, grumpy if someone questions it a bit later, so oh, maybe it was, you know, maybe it wasn't a great decision, you know. I'm, I'm sorry about that. I'll need to reflect on that. And also, yeah, you think I'm you think I'm not listening to you very well. Well, I need to take that on board and think about it. Um, I'm not too busy and I'm not too important to ignore you. <laughs> so I'm going to ignore you. You know, I, I, I need to think about that. And, and to keep um, putting out there that you're open to question or your leadership group is open to question. And that is more cultural than structural. Um, and it's so, hard yeah. to
2: define. And I think we like to, to have a kind of, then what are the rules that we can put in place to make sure mm. that that happens? And I yeah. think... You can have a tyranny of people who are good at making rules as well. I also think that I love the fact that when you were talking about character that you were talking about being grumpy or, or that kind of thing. Because I think when we talk about character failings, it's always about, well, can he keep it in his pants? That's what it, that's yeah. what it comes down to. And yeah. I I honestly, as long as we hold that at the same level as, well, he's really materialistic. Or she yeah. is, um, or or her her attitude to the outsider or or the stranger is terrible, or yeah. uh, she's she's leading the church in a way that's not inclusive, or or any of those mm. things. If they're on an equal par, I'm happy with it because, to be honest, I see way more damage being made at the decision level or at the preaching yeah. level than mm. I you know, you know, everyone's fallible and whether you're going to have an affair or you happen to be a a really greedy person when it comes to money, these are both terrible things, but only one of them gets you to lose your job. And I think that kind of hypocrisy, you know, I'm not saying either of them is okay. I'm saying if we had Mm. the same attitude to it, we'd probably be in a better position where the churches that are getting it right in terms of culture and character, um, you know, they may have leaders who are preaching terrible things, but who won't ever have an affair. Well, great, Mm. but that's not good. That's Mm. not, that's not, that's not a win for me. Yeah. Mm. Uh, And Graham, I'm fascinated to know, like, you lead an independent
1: church, you don't have any Mm. kind of bishop or, or kind of Australian megachurch founder looking over your shoulder, what kind of oversight and accountability is there for you to kind of make sure that
0: you're on the straight and narrow? Um, well, we're part of networks that can help us out from time to time, but it, it is both a, a wonderful benefit and a slight limitation of, of independency. So the wonderful benefit is that you haven't got all that kind of overhead and that you, you're you responsible to Christ and you're responsible to the congregation and you're responsible to each other as leaders. And, and that works quite a lot of the time. Um, it, when you get into deep trouble... Um, then you think, oh, it'd be quite nice if I did have a structure. And you end up sort of having kind of quasi sort of independent people from outside, but who always have an agenda. So it's never quite straightforward as that. Um, So it doesn't work well in disaster. But I, I do believe that most of the time churches should better sort themselves out. I think that's biblical and normal and occasionally rarely to ask some trusted outsider to help. I don't really think denominational structures are, are are that useful. I don't think they prove to be that useful in, in any of these cases, or even in the Church of England, which has a, you know, a very definite structure. Um, you know, loads of stuff has happened. So I don't think it's really helped at all. I think it just adds a load of overhead.
1: Do you have a kind of church council or kind of a board of elders or some kind of body no, separate from you as the pastor who can kind of say, hold on, Graham, I think you've you've crossed the line there, or you've done that wrong and you need to repent or whatever
0: no because i think it sets up an immediate kind of tension i mean the whole idea of board sounds commercial to me it sounds the wrong thing um and you know you're you're a bunch of spiritual leaders so my accountability in terms of what i do is is to the other six elders we've got and you know the, and they they tell me and my accountability is to the members and they they tell me you know you're not doing this very well <laughs> they really do um and that's that works i'm not saying it'll always work maybe i'll come back on here and tell you how it's gone wrong <laughs> one day but um you know it's worked for quite a long time i've, I've been involved in this church for about 20 years or so so uh, you know it has worked all that period and uh, you, you've just got to put out there all the time and and you know lockdown has been really difficult for this but you, you're open to question and you're open to discussion and you don't mind if people disagree with you and mm. but you'll disagree with them and you'll push back and you'll, you'll make your point um, and sometimes you can't change decisions to please everybody so you, you put that out but but you're always you're always open and that's uh you know that's really hard to keep going with that because because sometimes sometimes it's just hard as a leader because you just got other stuff on on your mind and you're just really busy and you and you you've got clarity and some sort of member of the church comes along and says oh I didn't like the way you did this and, and you, you kind of think oh you know I've been through all this and I've thought this all through and i and i didn't do what you said i did and 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 you know this is other pressing thing but you have to make yourself say no i need to i need to give them time i need to listen to what they've got to say i need to really understand what their concerns are even if i end up disagreeing with them and and we can't you know we can't resolve it as such um but just putting out there that you're willing to listen so yeah our accountability is to the to the elders in the church and to the church itself
2: but i i guess the, the the reason you have a board is in case yeah. the person in your position isn't a nice guy who's really taking his walk with the Lord seriously and is actually hearing from yeah. Jesus, but yeah. is a scumbag or a narcissist who says, yeah, I'm always, because sure. I mean, we've all, we've all encountered people who are like, oh, I can take mm. criticism. No, you can't. Oh, I'm really open to hearing, to hearing what you say. And you will be yes. punished if you say it. Yes. And I think <laughs> yeah. that's, that's why, because for me, a board is more from a charity kind of context of like yeah. you have the operational people who are doing it at that level, but then you have the accountability. Everybody's, everybody has a boss who can yeah. get rid of them or who can yeah. discipline them. And it's the same with like, you have a government, but then you have a separate judiciary that can, there's a tension there, mm-hmm. but but yeah. I agree. It can be really, I wouldn't want to be a church leader, particularly not an independent church because, or, yeah. or in a Baptist church because it just sounds like a thankless task. And you've got to, you've got to put on the same level, every, crazy little criticism of you as stuff that is potentially very valuable for you to hear and trying yeah. to discern that is hard
1: we're kind of running out of time but I just wanted to come back to you John to you just briefly um to the Hilson situation D- does does the end of the kind of Houston reign mean anything do you think that's going to change anything about the movement is it is it theologically going to be shift at all or, or does it not it's... work
2: like that I think it's probably going to be positive, to be honest, because it's made them go, oh, crap, we have to actually have a a governance structure. We have to have some accountability to leaders. And we have to look at what I think in that kind of church, I don't think it is, but in that kind of church is a potential to have a honoring of leadership culture that can turn quite toxic without it intending to. And I think that will be quite positive for them. I'm sure there's a lot of people. I'm sure behind the scenes, there's panic and disarray. But I would almost say to them, just chill out. The vast majority of people in your churches don't care. It's not actually a cult. Turns out, it's not like I was never there for Brian. Again, seems like a nice guy, like a bit goofy, but fine. Um, yeah. It's it's more about the 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 experience, the welcome, um, the home that you find there, and I don't think that needs to change. And honestly, demonstrating repentance, demonstrating that we've taken this seriously, and and at all points, making it safer like they've done with BLM and a whole bunch of other stuff just makes it a safer space and a space that I trust more. So for me, yeah, it's
1: cool. Great. All right. Well, we're running out of time. Uh, so we'll probably draw a conversation to a close there. But I want to say thanks again to John C. Langley and Graham Nichols. It's been great having you on the show, uh, sharing some of your thoughts and reflections on this issue. I'm sure we'll have you back sometime. Uh, but thanks for your time. And I'll speak to you all next week. Cheerio. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. That's all we've got time for on this week's newscast, but don't forget to subscribe to this podcast in whatever app you use to make sure every episode is automatically available for you when it's released. If you've enjoyed it, we'd really appreciate it if you could review Premier Christian Newscast on your app and tell your friends about us. We're a new podcast, and so we'd love to get the word out as much as possible. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.
0: Premier Christian Newscast.